We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty As Charged podcast. As always, my name is Steven, and I am your host. And joining me today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Just realized I'm in the upper left box, whatever you want to call that, and I hate it. So uh, I'm going to leave. You hate it? We should Oh, my. (laughs) Here we go. There we go. Oops, put the wrong banner up. That's my mistake. Um you know, I'm I'm glad you got the the bottom box. You're a big fan of the bottom box. I I, I guess you're a big bottom <laughs> box guy. Keenan Allen is a big nap guy. Man, how did you not just guy. walk right into that? You just full blinders on, walked right into that one. <laughs> Alex, uh, I like I, I I want to, but I feel like we did this last episode, and like I would be repeating the same joke. But like, come on, Stephen. <laughs> 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 come on. <laughs> oh man good good laughs good laughs so um we have a fun show planned for you guys today we are going to talk uh and give some of our thoughts on the uh roquan smith situation also discuss the chargers first unofficial uh depth chart release emphasis on the unofficial um and then we're also going to do a a new segment called uh concern meter which we'll, we'll get to uh when we get to that point so a uh, couple of uh, housekeeping items, first and foremost, uh, as Tyler posted in the chat, there is a uh, preseason tickets giveaway, two tickets for the Chargers and Rams game on Saturday. Uh, that is exclusively for YouTube members. Are we opening that up to the Patreon supporters as well or just YouTube? Just specifically YouTube. All right. So um, 
if you are here now in the chat, uh, the link there is in uh, up above here, and the link to uh, that same area is going to be available on the audio description of the episode as well as the video description. So uh, check that out. In terms of our upcoming schedule, we are going to be doing essentially Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday episodes from here until the next few weeks as we uh, preview preseason games, talk about our, our Saturday stocks, and then on Sundays we'll be doing game recaps and uh, reacting to or predicting some potential roster cuts as they come. So a uh, good couple of weeks coming up. Hopefully uh, we get some some clarity on a lot of positions and uh, you know, hopefully everyone is performing well at the preseason, stuff like that. All right. Uh, first and foremost, we are going to talk about the uh, situation in Chicago with Roquan Smith, the linebacker, of course, requesting a trade from the Bears officially. Um, uh, not really appreciating how that contract negotiation process has gone up there in Chicago. Uh, for what it's worth, he does represent himself. He does not have an agent. Um, so I think that absolutely uh, plays a part there. So Arjun did do a full breakdown of why the Chargers shouldn't trade for Roquan Smith. It was a great, there was, it was a great video, great breakdown. Uh, his first episode back for Chargers Analytics. So please go check that out when you get a chance. So I want to spin this on the positive side first, and then we'll talk about why this is ultimately not going to happen. Uh, but again, this is just fun off-season content. Um, so Alex, we'll start with you. Um, why do you think the Chargers should trade for Roquan Smith? And what do you think the upside there would be? Uh, the upside is that he would be their best linebacker by far. Um, he's really <laughs> good at football. That's the high upside that I'm selling you on the Roquan Smith trade. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely the positive if you want to look at it that way. The Chargers have largely figured out their first and third levels of the defense. We've been talking about the linebacker core as though it's a problem. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's if you do add a Roquan Smith level player, I mean, it would boost the defense dramatically. Uh, even if, you know, linebacker is in a premium position in Staley's defense, we would be, you know, talking about that addition like it is a premium addition, like a JC Jackson addition, even if it might not be to that extent based on positional value. Um, as far as like why it wouldn't happen, there's probably 15 to 20 million reasons per year why uh, it wouldn't happen. And, you know, this is a Staley defense that doesn't uh, ultimately value linebackers that much. I mean, we've been talking about that the whole offseason when they decided not to pay Kaiser White over $3 million uh, when they, you know, kind of have made the decisions they've made there. Uh, and they ultimately view all the players in that linebacker room as relatively replaceable aside from potentially Kyle Van Noy, who has that linebacker edge flexibility. But everyone else in that linebacker room is here on a year-to-year -year basis. So um, that's why the Roquan Smith trade wouldn't happen. Uh, in, sure. in a sense, I would like to see it happen, right? If we want like one big Chargers all-in move at the same time, given that the Chargers don't value the position that much itself, it's probably worth asking whether or not you want to add a ninth, you know, 10 plus million dollar per year salary to the salary cap table for the foreseeable future, uh, you know, and, and constrain yourselves when, you know, right now the Chargers, as of this moment, don't have the Derwin James uh, stuff figured out. Okay, so we're talking about reasons why 
if we're hypothetically again don't think this is going to happen but if he's cool with playing on a one-year deal and just wants to be somewhere he feels a bit more valued then that's the scenario that it would work because you trade so i was listening to you know pro football focus podcast brad spielberger spielberger was just on uh, it's not going to be a first round pick um sounds like it'll be a second round pick jeremy fowler talked to two executives one said second one said third so in theory if you do trade you know next year's second for him or whatever it is next year's third you can down the line recoup that with the comp picks but i think as we all kind of know they do need to extend him like rogue one does want that extension that's why he's not playing for the bears if he was fine with playing on this last year then sure so obviously that's not part of it uh but i'm just trying to sell you guys on it so i'm trying here uh the other reason uh drew tranquil nick neiman amen ogbombamiga and uh, kenneth murray all did not practice today for various reasons <laughs> so at some point it'd be nice just to have a body yeah. there and if that's roquan smith that'd be great uh but that said i this isn't happening for far more reasons than i could think of for why it could or should happen yeah, and I think Kyle Vanoy was essentially limited today. So Kyle Vanoy, uh back at practice in some capacity, but uh, he was definitely on the sideline a little bit more than uh, we would like. So the Chargers linebacker room, essentially Damon Lloyd is like the only healthy player right now. So, you know, we'll see if Damon can uh, take advantage of that. In terms of on the field, like Alex is saying, I think you're unquestionably getting an upgrade at linebacker if you do go for this kind of situation. Um you know, just looking at the pro football focus numbers. So um, Roquan's average depth of tackle last year was 3.3 yards. Um, that's a full 0.6 yards better than Kaiser White was last year. And Kaiser was uh, obviously the best linebacker on the team in that regard. Um, Roquan Smith had 42 run stops last season, which was second most in the league, only behind CJ Mosley of the Jets. And his run stop percentage uh of 9.5 was tied for 10th in the league this is uh of all linebackers who had at least 150 run snaps and so all of those numbers are pretty good and last year was generally considered a down season for roquan i think roquan uh his best seasons were 2018 as a rookie 2019 and, and 2020 was still pretty good last year i think just everybody in chicago was kind of having a down year but still roquan had a very good season he's been an all pro he's been a pro bowl player he would unequivocally be the best linebacker from a talent perspective that the Chargers have had in a very long time. So that, of course, is the on-field perspective. There is a, a budding connection, if you will, between the Chargers and the, and the Bears in terms of the front office. Obviously, Brandon Staley coached Roquan. Um, you know, the, there's the Khalil Mack and, and the draft pick trade, as well as the Bears having like four or five former Chargers on their roster at this point. So from a connection standpoint, from an on-field standpoint, a lot of this checks out, like in terms of what you need to kind of form the, the base level of a potential trade. There's a lot here. And, you know, Jeremy Fowler did survey executives around, around the league for 10 teams that would make sense for a Roquan Smith trade, and the Chargers were mentioned. So on the surface level, a lot of this makes sense. And again, if you're like talking about this season being all in this season, this season being, you know, go for the Super Bowl. I would understand trading for Roquan Smith. It's just the acquisition cost. And then, of course, the extension, the extension, extension cost. Excuse me. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, the extension, the Chargers are already, if you add Derwin James, I think like 24 million over the cap, you add someone like, you know, Roquan, extend him. You're at 35 million. I think if you cut Davis. 
you're back to like $25 million over the cap. Um, if you put cutting Keenan Allen and extending Roquan Smith in the same sentence, please just unfollow me. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to hear that as an option. Uh, but also, right. you know, even if you even if you don't have to extend him, you know, your, your comp pick that you wouldn't get back if he walked the following year is until 2024. And I don't want to give up a second round pick and then go into the year where, you know, Adderley's a free agent, Kyle Van Noy's a free agent, Bryce Callahan's a free agent, DeAndre Carter's a free agent, Trey Pipkins is a free agent. I can't believe I'm saying that. But if he works out, he might be your starting tackle and you need or you need to replace him, you know, somehow. Tranquil's a free agent, Parham's a free agent. And yeah. I think Max's been worth the second round pick so far by a million miles. Like it just seems like, oh, okay, that worked out really well. But Absolutely. the Chargers, like Khalil Mack is beating the crap out of really bad right tackles now that the Chargers could not, you know, get one in the second round because they use that for Mac. And I don't want all these holes in the roster. I don't want to assume that JT Woods can replace Nasir Adel. I don't want to assume that Jasir Taylor can replace Bryce Callahan with the way that everybody's looking right now. Uh, so I don't want to give up that second round pick next year because I think that is part of their cap, you know, dance that they're doing right now. Yeah, for me, it's not so much the financial side because, I mean, the other team in Los Angeles has proven that the cap doesn't, they, <laughs> it's not really functional at this point. Um, if yeah. the Chargers wanted to go get Roquan Smith and they wanted to pay him, you know, the, the contract that he deserves, they could do it if they wanted. Um, at the same time, for, you know, Arjun also did kind of point this out in his analytics video, like, while he is a good linebacker, right, it's a question of whether or not he fits that Staley system so much uh, also, right, uh, that, you know, is going to want while Roquan Smith is a good coverage linebacker, uh, Arjun sort of brought up like he's also one of the line, you know highest rates of biting on play action uh, in terms of coverage in the league. And sure. is that going to fly as much in a Staley system when it comes to coverage? Sure, it's better than what the Chargers have had in past coverage now, but it probably still is not necessarily worth the overpay, especially for you know, a team that hasn't valued their linebackers that much anyway, um, kind of like we keep saying. So uh, I, I think that the player that you would be getting in Roquan Smith would be really great, obviously, but the fit with the team and, and what the Chargers kind of envision their defense being, I don't know if it is like the best fit. Or even if you just gave Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco a free $20 million and said, here, spend it. I don't know if sure. they would go in the direction of a Roquan Smith. I think they might go uh, in, the, in the direction of like getting another, you know, star corner. I think they might go in the direction of getting not really another star edge player. They already have two of them uh, sure. or, or getting some kind of star player for the offense. But I just don't think that position and they've proven it again and again is very high priority for them. So from a schematic standpoint, I think Roquan Smith is a fit. I think he certainly has his limitations as a coverage player, um, depending on who you ask. There, there are those that think that Roquan, from a film perspective, is uh, one of the elite coverage linebackers in the league. Again, I haven't watched Roquan a ton, so I, I, that's not my opinion. But you know, there are people out there who disagree with the numbers and think that Roquan's a much better coverage player than he is, and so or than he is deemed to be. But you're, if you trade for Roquan, it's for it's for run defense. Like there's no doubt about it that you're trading for him because you're kind of concerned about your linebacker room being able to stop the run efficiently. And Roquan is an upgrade in that regard. And I, I think that is absolutely a fair assessment. Um, from a philosophical standpoint, it, it doesn't fit right. Like we have just seen this team indicate that they are not 
super keen on long-term investments at linebacker, you know, talking about Kaiser White, and, you know, a lot of people thought that they would potentially draft a linebacker this year, and and they didn't. So I think the linebacker spot is continually going to be like late-round draft picks and cheap free agents under Brandon Staley. So I think from a scheme standpoint, he's a fit. From a philosophical roster-building standpoint, he's definitely not a fit. So in terms of trade costs, you know, I've seen some people, obviously everybody's kind of floating the idea of like, Jerry Tillery or Kenneth Murray. If you're trading for Roquan Smith, you have to give up like a third round pick at minimum. And maybe they take somebody, you know, some kind of younger player, but they're not taking Jerry Tillery and Kenneth Murray. Like, you know, they're a rebuilding team. Like they're not going to take on, you know, a developmental project that's up for a new contract next year. So you're talking about, you know, a first or second year player, or picks. And I think mostly you're talking about picks. And, and like I said, at least a third round pick, probably more. Yeah. The whole, Oh, they'll take Jerry Tillery thing. Like <laughs> sh- sure. With a second or a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't want, if you don't want your player on your team, odds are an opposing team probably doesn't want that player either. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know why they'd want Jerry Tillery. I wouldn't want to reestablish the Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery interior and see how that works. <laughs> uh, but, you know, hey, if they want to, I mean, Jamal Adams what was it two first round picks for a, a blitzing safety edge rusher sort of guy. So, hey, you never know. Yeah, Archie kind of said this in the chat, but are we calling Tillery a project still in year four? <laughs> we know what he is. pretty much said that. Uh, he's something all right um <laughs> but no i yeah i think the whole let's just trade our garbage for your gold thing uh i mean works really good if yeah. you're like a schemy compound lawyer not so much if right. you're an nfl team trying to get roquan smith um but yeah it would if if we're talking about actual compensation it would just be the picks they give up i don't think it would be a first i think jeremy fowler said in his article that um a lot of nfl gms said that it would be around a second or a third which you know kind of lines up with the Khalil Mack trade. Maybe you kind of do another version of that and give the Bears, say, a second and a sixth. Uh, something along those lines again. Um, but yeah, I just... I see the Chargers, you know, the connections there that Steven mentioned before, and there is something tangible that if Roquan Smith came available, I think they'd inquire about it. But I don't think at this stage they'd be willing to give up that concrete capital right now. Yeah, as Teresa points out, Tillery and K9 for Roquan only works in Madden. And I don't even think in Madden it would work. <laughs> Again, I don't play Madden. I haven't made a trade on Madden in years. But um, I feel like if you're the Bears and you're like, okay, we need a player, their whole receiving core is bad. Like, if I were the Bears, you're probably talking about Jalen Guyton in a second round pick in terms of like a player based package, or maybe you're talking about Donald Parham, something like that. So if you are you know, trading for Roquan, I think you're talking about like a third round and a fifth round pick, or like Alex said, a second and a sixth round, something like that. Very similar compensation as to what the Chargers sent out for Khalil Mack, obviously different players, different uh, aspects of their position, but uh, I feel like that's the, that's the thing. So um, <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, Holden Sanchez points out that there was a Browns beat writer mentioned to raise a trade acquisition. I think that was a bleacher report article. If I'm not mistaken, um, and, and you know, again, I just <laughs> I don't think people really understand what Jerry Tillery is like, who are just kind of casual observers yeah. writing about a potential trade article. 
So. Good God. That just sounds like, oh, well, we see this former first-round pick from another team. We haven't yeah. watched him play at all, but we can fix him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, again, I, I don't think that this trade is going to happen. We'll see. Like, it would certainly be, like, the ultimate Tom Telesco is, you know, no longer coupon Tom kind of move. But, uh, again, just don't really see it happening. So we'll move on now. We're going to talk about the Chargers' first unofficial depth chart. Um, I think Tyler has it on the screen or potentially has it on the screen. There we go. Um, so I'm going to delete that banner then. <laughs> okay, so uh, this there were a lot of takes last night about the Chargers' uh, first unofficial depth chart. Uh, as it points out on the screen, this was compiled by the Chargers' communications. This was not the Chargers' coaching staff sitting down and doing it themselves. Um, so I was surprised at how many negative takes there were, but we'll start first and foremost with the, with the offense and we'll move to the defense. Um, Tyler, what stands out to you about the potential depth chart here of the offense? Uh, Xander Horvath being listed as a, it's an, or, but it's interesting that he's on there first. I suppose you would assume like we all have that Horvath would win that battle, but I feel like when you do unofficial depth charts like this and really even in camp so far, the veteran gets the nod. You tend to give that guy the the lead spot there. Again, it is or so I'm not he's not really in the lead. I'm just surprised to see him there. Um, did get a message today from a player that Horvath is a beast and that that competition is really fierce right now. Um, whatever that means, neighbors Horvath fierce competition, whatever. Um, neighbors has won a fierce competition at fullback before somehow. <laughs> um, don't even get me started on that. So that was, I don't know why that's the notable thing for me. Um, I guess it's just different. I didn't expect Horvath to be listed first when Neighbors is the veteran, even though he's not the draft pick. Yeah, I know no, there I, was, sorry, Alex, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I think Horvath is the one that sticks out here just because, I mean, you see Isaiah Spiller buried down the depth chart, right? Even yeah. though we obviously know he's going to come up in Tennessee. Malik Willis is quarterback three. Um, right. So you sort of see these rookie guys get yeah. just buried down the depth chart and all these kind of, uh, you know, the players that are still there often get promoted in these early unofficial things. Uh, so I, I do think the fact that Horvat, even by Chargers communications department standards, is is the first fullback. Um, it, it's pretty notable to point out. Yeah, it absolutely is, is notable to point out. And I know there were some people in our chat on uh saturday when we were doing our, our show that day people were like what about horvath we haven't really heard much from him is he doing well and it, it's so hard to tell with fullbacks because again they, they it's such like a full contact position but then he comes out in the scrimmage and he has that fantastic run and catch and, and collision with i think it was a lohi gilman if i if i remember correctly um then today he had another catch so He's really starting to kind of flex his versatility, if you will. I know that this was kind of the debate between like Bobby Hall and Gabe Neighbors, right? But Xander Horvath to me is just a potentially, sorry, Tyler. Uh, he's potentially a much more versatile uh, fullback because he can legitimately run the ball. He can legitimately catch the ball. He can play special teams. Um, Daniel Popper asked Ryan Ficken today about his linebacker background helping out on special teams. And Ficken said, yeah, we think that is a big help. We think that really contributed to the way that he played in, on special teams in college and then how he's going to play in the NFL. So I, I think, you know, this is a, a good situation for Xander, for Xander, for Xander, excuse me. 
Um, and I think ultimately we all we all knew that he was going to win the position battle. But like Tyler said, you kind of expect the older veteran guy to be the first player here, even if it's just even if it's still an or situation. As uh, I3NN1N points out in the chat, is it just by last name alphabetical for the ors? <laughs> Don't know. It's it is for offense. <laughs> I'll check well, defense. Well, let's check the defense line real quick, or we can check it when we get there. Um, oh, there's but... no oars. There's no Ooh. oars on defense. I was gonna say, yeah. Shame. No, I mean, I I feel like it's that's just kind of a coincidence because yeah. I mean, like Storm is the incumbent starter, right? And Chase Daniel is the incumbent backup quarterback. So I think that is coincidental, but it is a very astute observation, is why it points out. All right, Alex, let's hear it about the quarterbacks. <laughs> um the the or thing freaks me out by daniel or stick i okay so i was a crazy person and i went am i having like a mandela effect moment remembering the 2021 chargers on official depth chart <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out if there was an or next to daniel or stick uh and there was not so yeah. they the chargers did not view this as you know competition last year daniel was given the qb2 job they kept stick on as the qb3 um i think it's interesting to point out maybe it ends up being nothing because this is the chargers unofficial depth chart but they're going to play three preseason games obviously justin herbert's not playing in any of them and if if they really think stick has improved i don't personally believe that's the case i guess we'll find out in these preseason games um, I guess stick could beat out Daniel for the backup quarterback job is kind of what this unofficial depth chart is telling me. Um, again, I don't know how much I buy that. Maybe we're all overreacting to that, but I did think it was notable that this was not on the depth chart last year. Well, I feel like last year there was, there was never a chance that Easton stick was beating out chase Daniel in my opinion, not last year. This year, maybe that sounds like it's a bigger possibility. I mean, Brandon Staley spoke very highly of Easton Stick and the development he has had as a passer. Uh, I strongly disagree with his assessment and evaluation process of Easton Stick as the passer because he's still struggling with the same exact things that he has always struggled with. Um, but listen, man, like they they clearly like him as a backup quarterback option. It really sounds like they expect him to be the long-term backup quarterback, their best friends, apparently the three of them, which like who fucking cares? Like you're on a football team. You're not here to be friends. Like I don't, that just, that comment kind of irritated me from uh coach daily, just cause uh, we all have eyes. We all can read reports. We all can watch the preseason games and you know, like you're picking these players based off who's friends with Justin Herbert. Like, I don't know, man, I, I didn't like that uh, process from Brandon Staley on Sunday. For the most part, through Stick's career in training camp in the preseason, he's been fine. I've never really thought he, quote unquote, deserved QB two based on his play. Not that he was awful, but just like, eh, if I'm keeping two quarterbacks, I wouldn't keep him. Um, they have kept three, but this particular year, he's just been bad. Like I haven't heard anything really glowing about him. Every day, it's a pass bad at the line of scrimmage. He still can't look off whatever uses his eyes correctly or whatever's going on uh it just hasn't been good and looking at the scrimmage just yeah. going through you know what i charted at, at the scrimmage didn't get past you know got to the 36 got to the 49 
got to the 32. Like he didn't really, the offense did not move with Easton stick and sure. Like he's not playing with maybe the best guys at that point, but he's also not facing the best guys either. There's just, I don't understand why they kind of feel like he's developing. Cause he's not, I don't know. I, I would, I understand to some awful sense why Jerry Tiller would still be on the team or, you know, Christian Covington or something, whatever, like Easton stick. I just don't, I don't get this whole thing. I don't think there's any shot. He wins Scooby too. Uh, yes. Things are different. Uh, I'm just going to blame an intern for this one for putting the order this time. <laughs> I, I hope that is the mistake. Um, I, I yeah. guess that's the thing. Like, you know, people talking, you know, Stanley mentioning relationships and the fact that the three of them are friends, the three of them could be the best friends and they can all be on the chargers and Easton stick can be on the practice squad. You can do that. Right. You right. can keep two, right. and you can have that guy over there. Like, I don't understand why this is so hard. And people are talking to talk about how Easton Stick is going to get claimed on waivers by somebody. No, he's no. not. He hasn't developed in three years. Like yeah. no one's going to, you know, put a roster spot or on their final fifty-three on Easton Stick, uh, except yeah, the Chargers. <laughs> but that's... Uh... sorry, Alex, I didn't know if you were. Um, but Chariso Compapa's pointed this out earlier. Um, why not just give Easton every snap in the preseason? It doesn't matter who's better. And that's, that's absolutely true. Like, yeah. I think most people were really upset when the Chargers picked, quote unquote, picked Chase Daniel as the QB2 last year because, I mean, he wasn't necessarily like clearly better. But as he points out, you know, the backup quarterback is largely an, an extension of the coaching staff, which is why Chase Daniel was brought in mm-hmm. because he has such an intimate knowledge of this kind of system and you know his veteran presence i think is really important there i i don't know what goes on in that quarterback room like like i'm, I'm sure easton and stick is a really smart quarterback and it, it certainly seems yeah. like he has a great la- relationship with everybody to me the issue has always just been wasting a roster spot on two backup quarterbacks you're talking about keeping two players on your on your roster who are never going to see the field or ideally never going to see the field so last year, I totally understand why they did keep three because last year was the COVID year. You never knew you wanted people to have an insurance policy if, if someone does test if someone does test positive. That's not an issue this this year. You know, there, there are no COVID protocols as we know, or that we know of, I should say. So free up a roster spot. It just makes too much sense at this point. Easton Sick can be on the practice squad. Um, so the next thing, of course, we want to talk about the right tackle position again this is another or storm norton was the incumbent starter trey pipkins is uh of course was the backup that last year backup this year and i again i, I have not been in practice so i haven't been able to watch 100 percent of the thing but i will say from the footage that i have seen you know tyler uh shared some scrimmage film with me i feel like i have seen better communication with zion from Trey Pipkins than I have with Storm Norton. And that's a very minute aspect of the position and, and winning that battle. But from what I've seen, again, in, in limited footage, I feel like Trey and Zion have a better relationship, better communication, and I think that could help him. Uh, Daniel Popper points out he did interview Brendan Nugent, the offensive line coach. They have not had a quote-unquote separation day just yet. They're still kind of waiting that for that to happen. Um, but right now it feels like these two are kind of locked into a stalemate. Yep, they didn't separate at the scrimmage either. I have Trey Pipkins with three pressures allowed and Storm Norton with two. 
and one sack allowed, which is maybe a bit wishy-washy considering Ty Shelby technically didn't sack Chase Daniel, but he also wasn't allowed to do a strip sack or anything either. Um, so they didn't really separate themselves there. If they look, if Pickens looks better on film and there's better communication, oh my gosh, today is just that kind of day. Uh, if there's better communication with Trey Pipkins and Zion Johnson, great. I believe you. Uh, I do think this is still Pipkins to lose. Um, well, I guess it is Norton's to lose. Pipkins to win. Um, but yeah, they're at an or right now and no one separated themselves so far. I'm a little bit nervous by the fact that neither of them have really gotten any momentum or separation. Mm-hmm. Um, not that yeah. I really expected much to happen at the scrimmage. The separation was always going to be the three preseason games, um, particularly sure. I think the first two being the most important before they you know, really make a decision on that. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I just didn't really feel that um, this unofficial depth chart means much. It's going to be you know, Storm Norton as kind of the incumbent and then whoever wins the job between Pipkins and Norton. Uh, the communication thing could definitely be you know, a possible separator for them uh, at this point. Uh, I just don't really think there is much separation and i'll be a little concerned if we get past the rams game and still neither of them is really like showing out not that i really like expect either of them to but i i do think that you know when push comes to shove one's kind of gonna have to be better than the other and that's how it was last preseason as well um i i just don't know what that separating factor is going to be other than just you know looking at the pressures and looking at the tape yeah, to me, the more valuable asset here for one or the other is going to be the joint practices against the Cowboys. Because, I mean, you're talking about a Rams team that's like, they're not going to be blocking Leonard Floyd. They're not going to be blocking whoever their second edge rusher is. It's going to be the backups. It's going to be the undrafted free agents. So, you know, Storm in particular has a good um, opportunity, I guess, against the Cowboys because Michael Parsons and the rest of the Cowboys defensive front was a group that really gave him some trouble. So if Storm is able to perform well next week against the Cowboys, I think that's a a potentially big feather in his cap. So we'll see. That, to me, is going to be like the separation day or days, if you will, more Mm -hmm. so than the preseason games are. Uh, You know, Trey Pipkins and Storm definitely have to show out against preseason competition. But if there is a separation day, I feel like that's going to be the joint practices personally. Yep. I'll be there with Arjun too. Watch that shitstorm. <laughs> Pun intended or not intended? Oh, not intended. I'm so disappointed <laughs> with myself. Oh. All right. Um, any thoughts, uh, any other thoughts about the offensive depth chart here, guys? Who, I'm trying to go through Daniel Popper's article. Who started at tackle today? I'm trying to line up with preseason then. Uh, Sunday was Trey. So I think yesterday was Storm. So probably today was Trey. Because they've just, they've basically uh-huh. just been alternating days, right? Yeah. So there's no there's practice tomorrow. So it'll be Norton. So then Trey will start the preseason. Yeah. Does that sound right? Mm, I mean, the bull, I think the bull star because I don't think Slater is going to play at all. Oh God. Okay. That'll be fun. So one's going to be at left. One's going to be at right. Right. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't start. So. They wouldn't start Foster Serrell and Trey Pipkins, for example. I feel like it would be Trey and Storm or Storm and Trey. Yeah, most likely. Probably. All right. Um, in terms of the other offensive line positions, I feel like we have talked a lot about this. Will Clapp is clearly kind of the backup center. 
Tyler and I were messaging back and forth the other day about maybe that position being up for grabs in terms of center two. It doesn't really seem like it. If, if mm-hmm. I feel like Will Clapp has been basically center two from the jump. Um, today, um, from what I saw on NFL Network, he was he was working with the first team because Corey Lindsay was resting a little bit. Um, and then Jamari Salyer, to me, has kind of a stranglehold for uh, that second yeah. guard spot, regardless of what side it's on. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, I didn't realize this till the end of Popper's article. Uh, not that it really matters for the roster, but Isaac Weaver was hurt uh, today in drills. So Weaver was too. So they lost trainer and now Weaver's hurt. Yeah, so Weaver got hurt and then Shelby got hurt. Well, the word is they went down with injuries during team drills. They had to be helped off the field by trainers. Don't really know the extent of those injuries. Um, but yeah, Weaver and Shelby are out or hurt. All right. Um, that's so, I mean, obviously that means Cameron Hunt is probably the, uh, the new center three, if you will. Yeah, probably. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's uh, shift gears here to the defense, and we'll talk about some of this stuff next. Um, so to me, the, the place to start here is Kyle Benoit being listed as a starting linebacker and backup edge rusher. Um, if you listen to the Athletic Football Show, there was a great episode with uh, Robert Mays and uh, Bill Barnwell, and they were talking about the Chargers defense and how predictable or unpredictable it could be. And... Um, Robert Mays has heard from several people in the building that uh, this staff is incredibly high on the flexibility that Kyle Vanoy is going to give them. Um, we kind of predicted that he would play more edge, but it, it sounds like he's going to play heavily, uh, you know, play a, a strong role as a linebacker more so than an edge rusher. Part of that, I feel like, is also Chris Rump's development. But um, that distinction for Kyle Vanoy, I think, is certainly worthy of, of talking about. It's worthy of talking about if he's still at linebacker when Kenneth Murray comes back, because that's why I feel like he's listed at linebacker right now. Now, maybe he would be there anyway um, with Kenneth Murray, but I mean, I feel like the, the tone change like in his usage from minicamp where he was heavily rotating as edge three to training camp where he's been solely linebacker one um has been jarring and it's hard not to you know see the kenneth murray thing and him being placed on the pup list is the main reason for facilitating that movement 
Um, obviously, I think he's going to be a hybrid player. He's going to be playing both linebacker and edge. But I don't make a lot about him being listed as linebacker or as like this declarative thing for what his role is going to be for the rest of the season because we ultimately don't know who he's going to be playing with on a week-to-week basis, right, in terms of who's going to be healthy. And I think Staley will pretty much move it around, uh, you know, based on who he has on the field and based on where Kyle Van Noy fits the best in any given week. So I don't see it as like a big deal, but, you know, I, I think it just kind of falls in line with what we've seen uh, from training camp so far. Yeah, tough to judge at this point because they're practicing with Kyle Van Noy at Mike linebacker at where supposedly Kenneth Murray was going to be playing. I feel like that's just going to be his week one spot. Like, why would you just drill him over there over and over and over and over, sure. and over again? And then, well, Kenneth Murray's going to come back and be Mike. Like, I don't see that happening. I think Kyle Van Noy in this hybrid role as a linebacker, Mike linebacker first is here to stay. I think it's going to be Kyle Van Noy. And I think when Kenneth Murray comes back, I think it's Kyle Van Noy and Kenneth Murray at linebacker. I think Drew Tranquil, especially with the injuries, the fact that he's gone next year, I think they're just starting duo. I think at this point, you can't take Kyle Van Noy off the field. You have to get Kenneth Murray on the field. You ditched Kaiser White basically for Kenneth Murray. So I think at this point, Kyle Van Noy, they've drilled him way too much at Mike Linebacker to just move him all of a sudden when Murray comes back. I think it's Kyle Van Noy, Kenneth Murray week one, if Murray's healthy. Yeah, I, I again, that's a big if if Kenneth Murray is healthy, but I, I do right. tend to agree there. Um, you know, Kyle Van Noy, when he's been on the field, has been their play caller. He's been, you know, somebody that the coaching staff is continually talking up. So I agree with that one. Um, all right. <laughs> Next, of course, we have to talk about the defensive tackle room. Uh, Jerry Tillery still listed as a starter over Morgan Fox. I felt like this could have been an or situation um, because, again, we have not really seen any kind of separation from either of those two individuals. Um, we will talk about them in a second in the concern meter. Christian Covington over Braden Foco, man. Like, let's let's hash this out, please. Like, if they if this coaching staff keeps Christian Covington over Braden Foco again, I am going to be so upset because Braden Foco is such a better player than Christian Covington. This to me does not make any sense. It's so clear to everybody watching that Braden Fajoko deserves to be on this roster and Christian Covington does not. We have heard basically nothing about him in training camp and he was lousy last year for this team. So uh, that to me was an absolute travesty for Braden Fajoko. Yeah, I wanted to go through it and just try to make it as fair as possible. I went through all Daniel Popper's articles, except for today's. So 11 practices, including the scrimmage. Yes, some are without pads, but whatever. Just to tally up, okay, who's standing out? Who's doing what? As far as Tillery and Morgan Fox go, I know some people aren't happy that Tillery is ahead of Fox in the depth chart, but what has Morgan Fox done in camp so far? Again, it's just camp. But if you're battling for a spot for week one, Tillery, I think he had another like split sack today. He, if, if you include that today in his stats, does have you know two half sacks and three pressures. He, you know, and Morgan Fox has uh, the one Nothing. pressure so far in camp, one pressure, and like that's not. I know you're not happy that Tillery is ahead of Fox, but Fox isn't doing anything right now in terms of production. Um, th- but the real mystery, man, if it really does come down to Covington over Fajoko, I mean, I don't know what the 
Chargers coaching staff would see at this point that why why would he be over Fahoka? I wouldn't get it. And looking at those stats, I mean, Braden Fahoka, four tackles, two tackles for lost, four run stops, two pressures, two sacks. And that's light, in my opinion. I think he's had way more than that. But again, just going off of popper stats, four tackles, right. two tackles for loss, four run stops, two pressures, two sacks. Christian Covington, zero tackles, zero tackles for loss, zero run stops, zero pressures, zero sacks, nothing, blank. Nick Nail, nine nada. There's nothing there. And if this holds, and if they put Covington over Fahoko, I mean, there's nothing I can do. I'll still root for the Chargers, but I'll, I'll be very upset. I'll be very, very upset. And I'll write a lot of tweets. Yeah, I know. I just, Somebody was like, well, what are you going to do about it? It's like, well, what is, what are you, what is the point of this comment? Why are you asking me what I would do? Like, I'm going to rant about it on my show and I'm going to rant about it on Twitter. What else would I do? Yeah, I, I will. I don't know. I'll protest in and out or something. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I really hope, I hope it doesn't hold. It even like for what it's worth, it hasn't held in practice. Like Bahoko is ahead right. of Covington in practice. Right. So again, this is unofficial. It's Chargers communications. Whatever. I just I hope and pray that this is not what we're looking at at the end of the preseason, barring some sort of Fahoko injury. Yeah, um, I don't make a whole lot of Covington being over Fahoko in this depth chart. Uh, I guess we'll see. But the the big thing is for me. I guess they're kind of seeing it as Covington being on this roster last year versus Fahoko not making it last year. Technically, obviously they were both on the roster, like towards the end of the year. Um, so maybe they just view it as like earning it. I, I don't know. That could be one thing as far as Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox. Um, <laughs> it's nice to hear that Jerry Tillery so far has had two Lance Armstrongs in uh, training camp at this point. <laughs> that's that's very good news in terms of trying to separate this Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox battle. Um, oh, great moment of the show, man. Great yeah. moment. <laughs> I think that Tillery is probably the presumptive starter at this point. Um, it just feels like Morgan Fox hasn't gotten any buzz much around him at all. Um, it doesn't feel like he's been big in practice or anything. Um, Tyler kind of just said he got washed out of the scrimmage, you know, upon his rewatch. So I'll be curious to see if he can get, you know, some more momentum towards that starting job. But right now it looks like we are kind of looking at Tillery as that official pass rushing starter. Yeah, and, and again, that can certainly change. But, you know, Morgan Fox has not done nearly as much damage as I was hoping for. And, you know, we kind of figured that this would be Tillery's job, mm -hmm. you know, until Morgan Fox, you know, takes it from him. And that has not happened. So uh, I have to give a quick shout out to Michael Lopez. Uh, he's done two super chats tonight. So really appreciate the support, Michael. Uh, he thinks the defensive line room should be Sebastian Joseph Day. Austin Johnson, Brain Fajoko, Tito Obonia, Fox, and then Tillery. I yeah. I would feel pretty good about that room, and I, I do agree there for sure. Yeah, the the indication is they are keeping six, but that could change with injuries or you know whatever happens. Also, yeah. as far as you know, the depth chart goes, just for you know, on aesthetic sake, they'll they'll be four two five. They'll be in their nickel with four men in front. So yeah, Tillery's out there first. I guess maybe that's notable. But it's really just Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day in the four-man front. Those two sub yeah. out. Fox and Tillery sub in. So really, they're just there's an A group and a B group. Yeah, this team's going to live in nickel this year. It really is. You know, I, I think the advantage that Cleo Mack, skip, Cleo Mack gives them in, as a run defender is is really going to be evident in the amount of nickel that they play and in, in um, 
you know, obviously Bryce Callen is important there too. Um, shout out Tyler's dad. He says support Fahoko Saturday night with a, a nice little super chat. So appreciate that. Um, all right. The next, uh, you know, spot here on the depth chart, I think is uh, worth talking about it is obviously the linebacker room. We talked about Kyle Vinoy a little bit. Um, you know, I think this was a, an astute observation by the Chargers communication staff, because to me, it clearly reads like these are the Mike linebackers and Kyle Vinoy, Troy Reader and Eamon Ogbogwamiga. Um, I don't really understand why or how Tyreek Maddox Williams would be ahead of Damon Lloyd, but you know, that's, that's kind of a down the road conversation. And then the will linebacker is tranquil, Nick Neiman, Cole Christiansen, and Kenneth Murray, uh, listed behind them in, uh, in terms of, you know, his injury. So like Tyler mentioned, uh, like 80% of this group is currently injured. I guess my question here, if Damon Lloyd is like the healthiest player and the one who stands out in the preseason, what do you do with him? Um, <laughs> Practice squad, probably. It's, I mean, okay. If so they, if they indicate that Damon Lloyd is a Mike option, like Amen, and Ogbong Bamiga is hurt, then that is like he is the weakest roster spot, in my opinion, of, in terms of stranglehold on a spot. So to me, if Lloyd is performing like he has, and Ogbong Bamiga is both hurt and not maybe doing so much or as much, then go with Lloyd. But but I, I agree with Alex. I do think Lloyd ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, I think Lloyd ends up in the practice squad. Um, but obviously health can change these things too. If Ogbong Bamiga's hurt and he's probably not going to be able to go by week one, you know, at some point, you know, they figure that out in the preseason or, you know, it's just like a kind of lingering injury. Then they could just lean towards the healthier player as a tiebreaker between him and Damon Lloyd. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, but the charter staff, I, I do think they are still high on Aitman for that, uh, you know, uh, last kind of linebacker spot. And he did make some plays, you know, in camp, at, you know, even though he kind of started out a little bit quiet. So, you know, had that interception. He had the interception on Justin Herbert, right? Uh, Sorry, who are you amen about? did, yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen. amen did, yeah. Um, so, you know, he has kind of gotten going in training camp. I think it'll largely be determined by the preseason. If one of them looks largely better than the other, a la the right tackle battle, then, you know, <laughs> that'll kind of settle itself out. Uh, but, uh, I am a little bit surprised to see Tyreek Maddox-Williams over Damon Lloyd, but I don't sure. know if that matters because I don't even know if Chargers Communications knows who Tyreek Maddox-Williams is. Um, <laughs> I probably have a better idea of who he is because he went to Rutgers. Uh, but yeah, other than that, not a ton to draw for the linebacker core other than, like Steven said, the the Mike distinction. Yeah, so uh, Tyler, you want to clear up here what you just typed in the chat? Oh yeah, for the audio audience, um, so just... I asked Ty Shelby's out for one to two weeks per source. Uh, I don't know the nature of the injury yet. It wasn't listed in Popper's article either. Um, but yeah, he's out one to two weeks. And we'll try to figure out more as we go. Yeah. That's that's really unfortunate. I feel like that basically guarantees that he's uh, yeah. out of the running. Because yeah, I mean, this is a two preseason games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, we'll see. At least the one. And it's just, he was already the odd man out. He is on the depth chart as is. I thought Davis had it over him. Um, pretty good so far and now it's just it's kind of it's unfortunate practice squad candidate for sure honestly that probably doesn't really change anything for him practice squad then practice squad now uh, but he won't be able to compete and that's kind of unfortunate yeah I think there was an outside chance that he could make the roster but you know if you look at these three preseason games and Shelby is you know vastly outperforming Egbele and Jamal Davis 
then you know I think there's a chance, but um, I certainly would have given the leg up to Davis and Eggley for sure. Um, I know I know there were some questions about this. So uh, Dean Leonard being listed as a safety to me feels like uh, an error from the communication staff. He has not taken any snaps from what I've seen outside of playing as an outside cornerback. He was rotating in with the first team defense today uh, that I saw on NFL Network. So it was just here Taylor. Um, but yeah, I know there are some people who are like, why is Dean Leonard listed as a safety? I tried to ask some other beat reporters. They, none of them responded to me. Uh, so that to me feels like a, an error, uh, because again, he's been hundred percent lined up as an outside corner so far in training camp. It's probably an error, but it's a weird error to make considering Brandon Sebastian is listed as a corner. So like, I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, um, <laughs> if Dean Leonard is a safety but yeah, yeah I, I guess we'll see. Um, obviously, unless that's just corner. like uh, just like straight down, like who the corners are. I don't know. Oh, that could be it. Yeah. But then, well, but in linebacker, they created another row for Damon Lloyd. Uh, so I I don't know if that's, that's the case. Um, that's true. So I feel like they would have just created another line, and they did for Skylar Thomas um, at safety too. Um, that's true under Raheem Lane. So really confusing how they did this unofficial depth chart in general, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think it's something to really note unless they start floating around the idea of, of Dean Letter playing some safety snaps at some point later on in camp. Don't think it'll happen. Um, but interesting nonetheless. I think we'd be pretty good at it. Uh, if we want to just drive this really dumb conspiracy further at the draft, like when he was selected, he was listed as a corner. Technically, when the Chargers announced it with their social media, he was listed at DB. So there's something. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. said, this is, this yeah. is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if they just put him at safety or corner or if they just create a separate DB slot on the depth chart, maybe it doesn't matter. And, you know, Brand Stelly's already talked about how some of these guys are, are flexible and can play both. So... I actually wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dean Leonard at safety if you want to like kind of get him in that rotation, but uh, I think he's yeah. a corner. Yeah, I um, for what it's worth, uh, Ronaldo Hill. I think it was on Saturday, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Saturday. Talked about Michael Davis getting some reps inside the box and in, in kind of their star money role, um, and because they think that he has a lot of uh, star money traits. And Dean Leonard and Michael Davis are very similar in terms of athletic profile and just physical build. So maybe down the lo- down the line, there's there's something there for Dean Leonard. But again, I feel like they've been so intent on he's an outside corner. Jasir Taylor is a slot corner that this just feels like a typo. So um, we'll get to the safeties here today. Just a little update because JT Woods has gotten a lot more reps with the first team defense over the last couple of practices. Sounds like he's made some strides mentally. Um, although that one touchdown from Keenan Allen today was, was a not so great rep by JT Woods, uh, definitely hesitated and took a bad angle, but, um, I know a lot of people were worried about him. Sounds like he's kind of made some strides over the last couple practices. Sounds like he had a good scrimmage performance. So I, I think he's on track, even if he kind of got a slow start out of training camp. 
I, I'm a little surprised that they do have Mark Webb over JT Woods, even as a communications person at this point. Yes, yeah, there's seniority, but like one dude's not even practicing right now. Um, in terms of camp performance, actually, this this if it were like this, those four would not surprise me as like a, a, a starting four, if you will. Um, just in, in terms of performance, but no, JT Woods, it's it's fine. I, I'm glad to hear he's doing well or better. Yeah, I'm glad to hear he's doing well too. Never really doubted that he would be good. And I think there's just going to be some rookie growing pains kind of moments, right? Um, there were some, you know, even in the regular season last year where Sante Samuel Jr. took really, you know, uh, aggressive angles uh, and made some mistake, made some great plays and also made some mistakes, um, you know, and I think JT Woods is just kind of going to be the same thing, especially with how he uses his feet around the field. So I think there's just kind of going to be those moments. And if you get burnt by Keenan Allen, uh, it, it happens to a lot of people. So don't take right. it to heart. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not too concerned about this. And obviously JT Woods is going to leap into that top four of the safety group eventually when they cut down on the final roster. Yeah, I, w- I would say that on final roster, you probably see Woods and Gilman. And then we'll see what they do with, you know, Raheem Lane and Mark Webb because Raheem Lane has has impressed, man. And, and I, I think I saw Nick Cothrill tweeted out today that Lane had a good a couple good reps today as well. So, um, you know, he's certainly taking advantage of his opportunity right now. And, and Webb is, you know, on the sideline, not practicing again. So we'll get to him if, in a second. Though. If Webb gets mm, healthy, okay. are we sure that Gilman's still in that, like, final roster spot i don't know if that, webb is healthy then and they keep four then no. yeah that's what i would think yeah because right now i mean with webb's health we're just saying it's like webb versus lane i guess you know sort of like for the last spot if they wanted to do yeah. it that way but yeah, yeah yeah i think that if they're both healthy then staley would go with webb over gilman i mean correct me if i'm wrong tyler but even when training camp opened it sounded like gilman kind of had you know, a, a stranglehold on that safety three spot. Yeah. And he really, I guess until maybe today or the last couple of days really did have a stranglehold on safety three. It was Nasir, like Derwin James for some walkthroughs, then Adderley and Gilman and Gilman's looked good. Like I'm not saying he's been yeah. amazing, but he's done pretty he's well. He's taken some steps for sure. Yeah, he has absolutely, which is wonderful to see. So it's, it's going to be tough to, I think he will be displaced, but he's earned the right to have some spot or at least have a fighting chance. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do our 53-man roster predict- prediction at some point. I I feel like you have to keep five defensive backs, or, or safeties, I should say, just based off of how they've played. Like, obviously, you're keeping JT Woods, you're keeping Nas, and you're keeping Derwin. But I feel like there's enough distinction between Gilman and then Webb or Lane where you can have good value from you know each of those two players, whoever, whichever combination of two that you pick. But... I think it just gives them more depth. It gives them more versatility. It gives them more options. And listen, man, like I think everybody was pretty excited about Mark Webb. Brandon Staley has talked about, um, you know, they expected him to take on a large role last year before he got injured eventually. So um, whether it's Webb or Lane remains to be seen, but I think both of the, one of those players to me has to be on this roster. Steven, that's a really great point. And it's also not going to matter when they keep three quarterbacks and four running backs. If they do both, man. <laughs> and apparently four tight ends and a fullback. At least you use tight ends in your offense. Like, geez. Ugh. That's very true. That is very true. 
All right, guys, any other thoughts here about the uh, depth chart and how it's kind of shaking out? Nope. Um, I saw some questions about Forrest Merrill. Um, again, he had a sack last week, but we haven't heard a ton about him. Braden Fajoko has consistently been the better player, rotating with the ones. Not much from Forrest Merrill this year. Um, so that's kind of where he's at. Maybe he's a practice squad stash again. Yeah, but uh, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It, they would keep Covington over Merrill, even sure, if Merrill 100%. was slightly outperforming. I think Fajoko has a bit more um, over Merrill right now. 100%. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up tonight's show. We're going to do uh, something that I, I talked to the guys about. We're going to do a concern meter. So this is a one to five scale. Five meaning you are super concerned. You're you're super stressed out. McCreary fumble kind of levels. Thank you for making this. I didn't know that you were you were going to make this, so um, I appreciate the the effort here, Tyler. Uh, one is Justin Herbert. Two disturbance in the force. Three is worried. Four is Jerry Tillery. I think the way that I'm kind of interpreting this is, is specifically to how these players you know, would play in their role. Like obviously, you know, we're going to talk about Mark Webb. He's somebody that I specifically wanted to mention. You're not talking about him as like a starter. You're talking about him like making the roster and excelling in his role, if that makes sense. So let's start there. Um, you know, Alex and Holden both asked about him. Um, where are you at with Mark Webb and your concern level with his injury status? You know, back-to-back -back years, uh, proving that he cannot really stay healthy. Raheem Lane has kind of supplanted him a little bit, at least on the field. So, Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, your concern level on Mark Webb making the roster at this point. I think four is a little harsh for Jerry Tillery. Can we change it to something like <laughs> Nate Kading versus the Jets or like <laughs> for level of concern? It didn't fit me? nicely in my thing. Okay? <laughs> it didn't fit. Um, I guess like a three or four, um, probably around a four just in terms of the margin for error, I guess, that Mark Webb has in terms of like being able mm -hmm. to stay injured and not being out there while Elohi Gilman or uh, Raheem Lane are making plays. I, I guess it really depends on how long his injury is, and they've been kind of like vague on that. If he can come back tomorrow, if he can come back next week, yeah. right, like before the second preseason game or before the first preseason game, then there's not a lot to worry about. If he misses the first preseason game and misses, you know, significant time next week too, then I think this, you know, quickly ratchets up from a three to a four to, you know, potentially mm -hmm. a five and, and not making the roster. Um, hard to tell right now because they've been vague about his injury. Right. I'll say three for the moment. Yeah, I'd have to agree with three. If we knew more and they said he's out, you know, three weeks, four weeks, a month, he's week to week, then yeah, I'd be, I'd be a little bit more concerned. At the same time, they love him. They want to use him. They like he. I think it might be safety three over JT Woods if you were healthy at this point. They love Mark Webb. He's looked fantastic. Yeah, he just can't stay healthy. Um, I could lean four because of Raheem Lane because he's he's legitimately looking like a guy who can just play like Mark Webb. Um, I wouldn't say better, but I'd say as well because they've both been fantastic when they're on the field. But he is on the field and he's performing really well. But I'll say three right now just because we don't know the nature too much of the injury. Um, if it's tomorrow he comes back, then, yeah, nothing's a nothing burger. If it's a whole month, then we have a huge problem. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree there with uh, the three aspect of things. And again, he was somebody that we were all really high about or, or high on, I should say, high about, not high about, we're high on. Um, but we'll see. Um, I wasn't really planning to talk about the Derwin contract, but everybody keeps asking us if we're concerned about this. So I guess this is a certain point. To me, this is a one. I have zero concern about the Derwin contract. Um, you know, we've heard through the the winds a little bit that it, it, it's really just contract structure. Like it really is that simple that, um, you know, they are hoping for a more equal footing contract throughout the contract as opposed to it being very backloaded or front loaded. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, Derwin this being this turning sour Derwin being this being similar to like an Eric Weddle situation or Melvin Gordon situation. To me, this is a non-starter. This is zero concern for Derwin's contract negotiations. Yeah. Once again, it's August 10th. I would love for this to get done. Frankly, I don't understand why it hasn't gotten done yet. Uh, I'm a little surprised there. Um, but again, Keenan Allen, September 5th was his contract extension. It's August 10th. We have a little bit of time here. Yeah, um, if I had to hedge between like a one and a two and create a one and a half, maybe that's where I would be. But for, <laughs> no. for now, for now, <laughs> for now, it's a one. Um, still not very concerned about it at all. I guess when we did like originally do the Derwin James holding episode, I said I thought it would be like before the Rams game. We're inching closer to the Rams game, so I'm a little bit surprised just from that standpoint. It wasn't handled quite as quickly as Joey Bosa, but. You know, like people have talked about with the contract, right? There's, you know, injury guarantees, things to work out in technical sense. So um, I'll say one for now. Uh, again, if we go another week, another two weeks, that can quickly ratchet up as we get closer sure. to the regular season. But uh, I'm, you know, not foreseeing this being, you know, a big problem. And uh, I think that I guess Keenan Allen was a little bit different because he didn't hold in per se. He just kind of got his contract extension when he, um, when he did get it the same with uh, Joey Bosa, right in 2020. Um, but, you know, I think push comes to shove Derwin James would still play week one without a contract. I, I guess we'll see if we get to that point. I don't think we will. I do think Derwin James, you know, within the next week or two here still does get paid. Absolutely. Um, all right. This is really kind of a coincidental thing, but uh, you put on here McCree fumble. Larry Rantry fumbled again today for the second time in training camp at uh, least potentially more. I, I want to say somebody else mentioned another fumble. At least but, two. Um, at least two fumbles for Larry Roundtree. He still is technically ahead of Isaiah Spiller on the depth chart here. Um, it kind of feels like Joshua Kelly has, has really cemented himself as RB2, sounding like, uh, according to several people there. So uh, two-part question here, two-part concern meter with Larry Roundtree and his fumbling issues and Isaiah Spiller not being able to supplant Roundtree for RB3 just yet. Uh, in terms of Roundtree's job, it's a five. In terms of my concern, it's a one. Because that means if he's, if he's really Fair. bad, uh, then they don't have to keep four running backs. Um, so for his job security, sure, it's like, a, it's like a four or five. Although he did fumble the first day of practice. The next day of practice, he uh, got the starting job. He was with the ones the second day. So maybe it's just good for him. But uh, I, think, I, I think he's on his way out. Hopefully they don't keep four running backs. As far as Spiller goes, one, I'm not concerned about this at all. He caught another pass on an angle route today. He had a wheel route at the scrimmage or whatever it was. 
Uh, he's just he's a great receiving back for this team. He's going to be RB three at worst. Uh, I'm not concerned about this at all. Yeah, as far as Spiller one, I mean, I, I think in reality, whatever the depth chart says or whatever like the perception is, he's splendid Roundtree. I think that's pretty easy to say. Um, Kelly probably still has the RB two role um, as they've kind of been rotating in and out, but uh, that's a one for me. Roundtree uh, one, it could be a zero really in terms of whether he <laughs> makes the team or not. Um, <laughs> but if we're talking about like his actual chances and concern, he'll be left off the roster. I'll still say like a two or three, just because I'm convinced that they're going to keep four running backs again. And they like Roundtree on special teams. Um, you know, he's been running with the first team special teams unit, uh, you know, per popper and, and what they've been doing on punt returns and kick returns. So um even though I, you know, would love if they actually went with two quarterbacks and three running backs, I, I think we're headed down the avenue we were last year. And I still think uh, they have Roundtree uh, on the roster week one. Strong words here from uh, Teresa Gompapas. I'd rather see Alex taking snaps in the backfield than well, Roundtree. Well, okay. Look, I have been an outspoken Larry Roundtree uh, anti-advocate from week one. <laughs> Uh, of last year but from the draft really but you would not rather see me out there i would die <laughs> well i mean i'd kind of rather watch that to be honest like they would cut <laughs> you wouldn't make the team either so they'd keep three running backs and yeah. it's kind of entertaining uh, people on twitter would agree with you today oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i know uh thomas martinez and i have talked you know back and forth about basically treating xander horvath as your rb4 and you know, essentially just giving him yeah. that role. And I think that gives him a lot of flexibility. So uh, I'm absolutely in favor of that one. All right. So I was asked this question um, from, ah, shoot, I, I should have written it down, but I want to say it was uh, Thomas Stewart, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we talked about Brendan Hymas on the last show. We have not really heard much about Will Clapp kind of standing out, although he's basically just been handed his uh, backup center position. Uh, so the concern meter here is on the backup into your offensive line depth. And is it something that we should obviously be concerned about? Because Jamari Sawyer being your best backup into your offensive lineman as a rookie could certainly be skewed a, as a big concern. Uh, so obviously the topic here is essentially just into your offensive line depth performing or being an upgrade of, of from last year, however you guys want to take it. Uh, in terms of concern about the depth along the interior, I'll say two only because of Will Clapp. I'm not convinced he's like as good as a Scott Questenberry might have been as a backup for Corey Lindsley. Uh, Will Clapp has not been super great in camp so far, although it's partially because he's going against you know a terror right now in Braden Fajoko. So maybe there's that. Um, but otherwise, Jamari Salyer, Brennan Hymas, Full confidence in them as backups, of course. I like what I've seen from Hymas with the Chargers. Salyer looks amazing. We loved him coming out of college. So two guard spots, feeling good. Um, you know, clap, eh, but still, uh, a two. One and a half, fine, I'll allow it <laughs> for me. Yeah, I'll go with a two uh, on this one in terms of the backup depth. I guess the more concerning thing, and this kind of leads into the Cameron Hunt signing uh, from the USFL and, uh, you know, obviously Trainer and Weaver, you know, kind of going back uh, down on like back-to-back -back weeks here. Um, I guess I am a little bit concerned about the 
preseason, you know, and what the interior offensive line, like competition, if you want to say, will look like in terms of the guys that are playing and hope, you know, because I don't want, you know, obviously another injury. Uh, they, they have enough injuries in the linebacker room. They have enough injuries everywhere else. We don't need, you know, the interior offensive line to become a conversation. Uh, so just hope everybody stays healthy there uh, for the moment. But in terms of the actual depth, I'm fine with Clapp. I, I don't think he's that much of a drop-off from Questenberry if he is one. Uh, and as far as like Salier and Hymas, you kind of knew for a couple months that was already your backup depth. And let's face it, if you lose Matt Filer and you lose Zion Johnson for any extended period of time, you're probably just going to have to take it and be boned for a while anyway uh, and, you know, see what happens, especially because you're starting, you know, Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins at the right tackle spot. Uh, So I guess it too, but again, that really, the guard depth as it is, is, you know, decently solid, you know, but it'll look worse if one of the starters goes down because the Chargers guards are really good. I was uh, Tom Miller asked other uh, about the article by Nick Cothra about Salier getting run at right tackle. Uh, I've have not seen that. So Todd, if you want to uh, link that to me at some point, that would be fantastic. Um, I'm at a two here simply because Brendan Hymas has really struggled in practices, um, and Ryan Hunter, frankly, is is outperforming him by by a significant margin, in my opinion, at least from what we've heard and what we've seen and what Tyler has, has shared with me from the scrimmage. Um, and again, I, I'm on the same page that Will Clapp was definitely not an upgrade over Scott Questenberry. To me, that was just kind of familiar with the scheme, familiar with um, Brendan Nugent. So I'm not super concerned like Senor Calamente coming in from Matt Filer levels, but I, I am concerned about Will Clapp being uh, who he is. And, and again, Hymas to me in terms of his roster spot is probably a three at this point, just based off of how much he has struggled uh, in training camp so far. Yeah. Tough to say. I think Hunter, was he right guard at the scrimmage? I think he was. Um, I don't know. They just haven't really worked in Hunter. I don't think with the twos. So it feels like it Hymas's backup number two job is safe. Uh, but again, he hasn't been fantastic either. Yeah. I think right now he'd be your healthy scratch offensive lineman, which is unfortunate. And again, again, that has to depend on uh, people staying healthy. Um, all right. That was everything that I had prepared. Did you guys want to talk about anything else for this? Um, nope. I think you covered most of it. I don't know if you wanted to talk Jerry Tillery, Morgan Fox doing kind of nothing so far. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. If they're in nickel and they've got a four-man front, I'm not as worried. If they go out 3-4 and they run what they did day one, which was Fox and Tillery on either side of Sebastian Joseph Day, <laughs> then we <laughs> have a time. huge issue uh, in your th- base 3-4, no less. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I should be worried. I don't know. I'm, I'm not thrilled. So I guess three... I mean, for the concern meter and, and the way it's titled, you have to go with four, Jerry Tillery. Um, <laughs> oh, in terms of course. Of concern, How did I forget? In yeah. terms of the concern for uh, Jerry Tillery and Morgan Fox. Alex, you muted yourself. Ooh, I think it's a three or a four just because um, you would kind of have expected one of them to stand out at this point. I think we did have higher expectations for Morgan Fox being that Staley system guy. So the fact that it hasn't happened still is concerning. 
Yeah, I'm definitely on a three here with Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery. Again, we had a, you know, a lot of high hopes for Fox coming in and potentially replacing Jerry Tillery. Um, Naya has really stood out, although Jerry Tillery has, uh, according to Brandon Staley, had a great practice on Saturday. He had a half a sack on Sunday. He had a half sack today. So, I mean, this team sounds like they're going to roll with Jerry Tillery again, barring, you know, a late training camp surge from Morgan Fox. Regardless of whoever they choose, there has simply not been enough production. And, and whether they're going against the, you know, first-team offensive line or second-team offensive line, it just hasn't been good enough. And I feel like every time I see either of these players going against Zion Johnson, Zion is just essentially, you know, vice gripping them to death, which is good for Zion. It's fantastic. But, you know, ideally you'd like to see Fox and Tillery push him a little bit more, uh, especially being the veterans that they are. So I'm at a three just from a sheer, like, pass rushing perspective because if Sebastian Joseph Day is your best pass rusher from the interior, it's a little worrisome. I think he is a very underrated pass rusher, but they need more production than just Sebastian Joseph Day, you know, being an underrated pass rusher can give them. I don't know why Sebastian Joseph Day is said, and Braden Fajoko of all people are the better pass rushers. I know, uh, but I, do you think so? Someone's asking about this in the in the chat. Do you think Fox and Tillery both play the preseason? Yes, I think both of them have to because mm-hmm. you know Brandon said he talked about this on on Sunday, and he said that basically if if they feel like they know who you are and they know what your role is, then they're probably not going to play you in the preseason. And I feel like. If this is a legitimate, tried and true competition, no one has separated themselves from from this group in terms of the pass rushers. So I feel like you, if Brandon Saley is, you know, if we're taking him at his word, then you have to play these two in the preseason. You have to play them at, at a good amount. Yeah, and I think we've also just seen how the tone has changed from last year to this year in regards to Tillery, with you know Staley continuously saying that he has a lot to prove. Um, you know, pretty much every time he talks about Tillery. So I think that both of them play significant snaps in the preseason. So I am curious to see, you know, if they're doing primary, primarily nickel looks, you're probably starting Fajoko and one of Tillery and, and uh, Fox at the other spot. Ooh. You no, I don't. Th- I don't think Fajoko. You can't. Ha- you there. can't have Fox and Tillery together like that. I'm, they did. That's... that's what they've been doing in camp. Oh man. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, we gotta make the rules. Fair, fair. All right. So this was a fun exercise. I think um, you know we can continue to do this if uh, people liked it or not, and you guys had a good time with it. So uh, I think I think you know we do. Saturday stocks, which is kind of a more positive light, and this one obviously a little bit more of a concern. So I wanted to focus more on people who we think are going to make the roster and, and have kind of a debate about really where they're at in their particular development and you know, being able to execute their role. So hopefully uh, everybody listening enjoyed this uh, conversation. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out for the night? Uh, abductor strain for uh, Mr. Ty Shelby. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Let me know. Yes, abductor. I didn't want to get it wrong. So yes, abductor strain. Is that quad? Alex? <laughs> it's Is it your quad? Is it like your inner? What do you call that? Uh, Which one's abductor? Well, is that the one where you... 
Is it in? <laughs> no. Um, Abduc abductors are the outside. It's your butt, right? Hmm. Let me consult Google Images on this one. I honestly. <laughs> oh my uh... gosh! You're in medical school. <laughs> <laughs> Honey. <laughs> Hey. Yeah, this wasn't really an <laughs> important part of anatomy. Uh, <laughs> hey Siri, um, are you asking? Are you asking Janae right now? <laughs> yes, but she's not in here, so <laughs> oh, shoot, she would know. Alex, uh, Alex Caston says groin-ish. So I thought yeah. it was. Isn't the abductor machine work like your outside butt cheek? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I work on this a lot. Your outside <laughs> cheek. <laughs> Tyler's just that guy that's just sitting in the abductor machine all day, all day long in the gym. Yeah. Look, this Google image looks like outside ass cheek. Let me. Oh, okay, hold on. Okay, I mean, it's about people. <laughs> I don't know what Google okay. image you're looking at, but I see it's kind of like back. It's kind of like back of the back of the thigh. I don't know if we want to like quantify it that way. What the hell is this, people? Let's see. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, what are we looking at here? What are we looking at? How did we end the show on this? Whatever. We're always looking at body parts. We're just, you know. Okay. So that uh, one that uh, that one that's like black and white. It looks like that's basically like your your outside butt. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> I did it, <laughs> honey. I got it right. Ty Shelby. Ty Shelby. I hope your outside butt gets better. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How are there still 162 people watching? <laughs> what oh man. That was too funny. <laughs> that was too funny. Uh Alex, any final thoughts, man? Uh no. Get ready to leave the country this Friday. Uh so I'll be covering the preseason game uh out of the country. But uh yeah, excited to be excited to have actual football games back to talk about and talk about winners and losers yes. in the preseason. So we'll be doing that in the stock Saturday and Sunday, so it'll be fun. I know, but I was talking with uh Brooke earlier today and she was like, Oh, what do you want to do on Saturday? And I was like, What do you mean what I want to do on Saturday? We got Chargers football, baby. Let's go. So I know it's preseason yeah. football. I'm still excited. Oh, it's so much fun. I'll be at the game too, just to get a vibe for, you know, what's going on. So it'll be fun. First real action. This is technically a Rams home game, right? Mm, sure. I don't know. So did, did you well, get your usual no, season I got, tickets? I got or... ticket, yeah, I got usual season tickets for it. So I guess it would be a Chargers home game, right? Yeah. Because the regular season is also a home game. So I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if it was like, both or what per google it is rams at chargers there we go. home team advantage all right so we get two home games versus the rams suck it rams fans <laughs> sounds good all right so uh circling back here um tyler did post a ticket giveaway for this upcoming game uh this is exclusively for our youtube members so the link to join there is in the description where on um, whatever platform you are listening to tyler just dropped it into the chat if you're still around um, we are going to be doing other giveaways uh specifically for twitter users youtube watchers uh patreon supporters so um, stay tuned for all of that we'll be doing lots of giveaways throughout the season as i mentioned we are going to be doing essentially three episodes a week now we're going to be going wednesday saturday and sunday um, you know, talking about the preseason games, talking about roster cuts and things like that. So uh, lots of fun content around the corner.
football is officially here. We're on game week. Uh, so appreciate everybody here in the chat. Appreciate all the uh, support. If you are listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or review. And uh, bolt up. We'll see you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.